Hi. Welcome to the Detroit Hustle Podcast, hosted by me, Melinda B. Powers. Allow me to introduce you to some native Detroit hustlers and some Detroit Hustle doppelgangers from all over the globe. So, are you ready? Let's go. Hi, this is Melinda B. Powers with the Detroit Hustle Podcast. And this week, we're going to be talking to my good friend, Roland Hamilton, musician, performer, musical director, and educator. I hope you have a great time. Bye. Hi, this is Melinda Powers with the Detroit Hustle Podcast. And today, we're going to be talking to one of my dearest friends. Um, he is an extraordinary musician, wonderful, wonderful performer, and just all around great guy, Roland Hamilton. Hey, Roland, how are you? Hey, Melinda, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. It's so good to see Thank you. you. Uh, I can see you on Zoom. Uh, <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> <listening. Yeah. laughs> Static pic. It's all good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of laughing, by the way, just so you guys know. We have all Definitely. Been silly, but, um, <laughs> I've been trying to get him on here for so long, and so we finally were able to coordinate, and I'm so happy that we got a chance to do this. Uh, if you're listening, this is occurring during the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020, so. If it'll slow down my schedule. <laughs> right. Slow down everybody's schedule. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> 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 uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> oh Welcome, God. everybody. We, we're laughing. All right, so tell us <laughs> where you got to start. Give us an introduction of where Roland Hamilton got his, his start and his beginning. Okay, well, um, my beginning in Detroit, um, just going back to my childhood, kind of, I developed a passion for music very early on. And it started when I was about three to four years old. My parents, uh, no, actually, I was in my uncle's car. And he had just picked me up from uh, kindergarten or something like that. Mm -hmm. However however old you are, or preschool, whatever. Um, however old I was, you know, when you get <laughs> picked up from school <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> so I remember specifically, we pulled up to his house and on the radio was a song called Benny and the Jets. Mm. And we all know who wrote that song. It was Elton John. And so my uncle was like, you like that song? I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. And then he's like, that's, his name is Elton John. I was like, okay, cool. And so... Um, he had one of his records, I believe, and he played some more for me. And I was like really intrigued because the next song I heard was, um, well, you know how it has that huge piano intro that, uh, right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And so then he played a uh, border song for me. I think that was the next song that I heard. And border song is actually the song that Aretha Franklin covered by Elton John, which made him famous. Uh, mm. And so it's, that's become like one of my favorite songs as well. Anyway, um, I had this affinity for Elton John when I was young, and essentially that's how I started to get into music. They were buying the Elton John records, and I was like three and four, uh, mm. five and six, you know, just all the way up. And I still love Elton John to this day, one of my favorite artists ever. Um, okay, I never so, knew that, and I've known yeah. you for a long, long time. Uh, it's Elton John. And the way I actually started playing piano, I was set to play Little League uh, with my brother, my older brother. And I was at his game one day and he ended up getting, unfortunately got hit in the eye or the face with a baseball. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I looked up at my mother and I said, Mama, I don't want to play baseball anymore. I want to play piano. <laughs> and so <laughs> me being a kid, you know, me being a kid, I um I figured that was a safer route <laughs> to being traumatized. Obviously. I mean the piano can't hit you in the face, you know, so I'm like, okay, I'd rather do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it's true, you know. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> unless he pissed some people off, I mean, it probably could. But at that moment, um, her her best, well, one of her good friends, uh, Lillian Chester, mm-hmm. she looked down to me, looked down at me, and overheard what I said, and she said, "Well, I can teach you." And that's how I started playing piano. Just you know that stroke of fate right there, and wow. I've been playing ever since. Yeah. So okay, where'd you go to school? What neighborhood did you come from? So I went to school um, as far as high school. Um, I went to Cas Tech. I grew up on the west side of Detroit, actually mm-hmm. right across the street from Cody High School. And so mm-hmm. that's like the Southfield Freeway and Joy Road area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, not necessarily the best neighborhood, but it was, it provided me all that I need. I actually uh, grew up right around the corner from Duele, who's an amazing artist, like Super right. Artist or whatever. Um, and so we were good childhood friends, literally, you know, a few houses down. And he would come over, I would go over there and everything. And sometimes we would share musical ideas. Um, oh, we both cool. kind of went our separate ways. We still keep in touch. Great guy, mm-hmm. uh, super amazing. What about middle school? Because we we have a couple of different uh, offerings on the show, and there's some little rivalry there too. Yeah, I mean middle school. So um, <clears throat> middle school first started when I went to Carver. It was technically Carver Elementary School, and um, I remember my music teacher there was um, Eugene Armamino, Mr. Armamino, and mm-hmm. so he would let me come up. I would have my Elton John books again, and he would let me come up and, you know, for show and tell, I would go and play like an Elton John song, um, you know, sound kind of pathetic at the time. Trying to do Elton John. <laughs> but I would, um, still, I mean, the passion was like right there, you know, right. um, and the drive was there and he saw that in me. And um, yeah, that was, that was from fifth to seventh grade. And then after that, I went to Drew Middle School and at Drew is where I kind of got more of my desire to go into aviation because they didn't have a music program. Like I did absolutely no music inside the schools wow. for the entire eighth grade year, but I was heavy into science. I was heavy into, um, I went to a ton of different science programs. Um, I was in DAPSEP, which is Detroit area mm-hmm. pre-college engineering program. I did that through, um, actually starting at Carver all through Drew, I did that one different science fairs and uh, was going up to U of M for the aeronautics program and all that stuff for the summer thing. And it was, you know, that just like heightened my sense of wanting to go to the um, the Air Force and come out, you know, and go into uh, Davis Aerospace. Um, well, prior to that, I wanted to go to Davis Aerospace for high school um, right. or CAS Tech, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up going to CAS uh, per my mother's recommendation, which was a very good recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where... I was finally able to get back to music and discover, you know, my full potential in that way. Right. Um, Hearing that now is crazy because of how passionate you are about music and how good you are. I can't even imagine you not playing for that many years. Yeah, it was was crazy. It was was crazy. You know, and me going to the Air Force, like, because I absolutely love planes, like, to this day. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, but, but I look at it as, okay, I've been to... I can't even count how many countries just on tour. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm still flying, you know, I fly first class here and there. Look, <laughs> right. I, look, I got so many flyer miles, you know, I can fly wherever I want for free pretty much, you know. 
Okay. Um, so I'm like always, you know, on planes and everything. Um, and just grateful for it, you know, and I'm, and I'm traveling to do music and getting paid for what I do. And, you know, I don't have to pay for any of it, you know, um, right. it's all, it's all taken care of. It's all paid for. Um, yeah. I got an opportunity to see you a few years ago. That was pretty cool to see yes. you on stage yep. with, um, 98 degrees. That was really cool. Yep. And you got and everything. <laughs> what did you say? I, said, I took a plane <laughs> to get there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so silly. Okay, so yeah. let's get into your journey. So after Cass, kind of give us the overview of how you got to where you are now. Because it wasn't a straight path. I remember mm-hmm. you took some detours there. So tell us about that for the audience because they don't know your story like I do. Yeah, well, um, kind of going, just kind of, I can. I kind of have to go back to Cass. Uh, okay to kind of bring it up to that point. But I know in cast, I was actually inside, I never really expressed it, but I, it was kind of like an inner struggle because even still I was deciding if I wanted to go to the Air Force, if I wanted to go um, pursue a music career. Mm-hmm. And so um, I decided, it. well, while I was in high school, I would win different competitions. I got heavy into classical music even more. Um, mm-hmm. This competition, that competition, it was just, you know, I'm just going full force, you know, studying with some of the greatest jazz musicians, got to meet some of the greatest musicians in the world mm-hmm. uh, because Cass and Detroit provided that platform. And so I said to myself, if I'm not, if I'm not where I want to be by the time I graduate, then I'll go to the Air Force. If I'm not where I want to be musically, right. um, then I'll go to the Air Force. Um, and so I applied to different schools and all of that. And um, I decided to stay in Detroit for a second, um, well, actually for a minute, you know, and go to school <laughs> at Wayne State. I stayed in Detroit for a long time, um, mm-hmm. but it it came with its benefits, you know, because I, I look at, I look back at my life and I'm like, okay, if I didn't, if I, I, I could have gone on to any school that I wanted to, you know. Right. But there's no guarantee that I would be in the position that I am now which right. is, you know, or would have done what I've done, you know, so far. So mm-hmm. everything in life that happens for a reason, you know. Yeah, um, definitely. And even while I was there in Detroit, um, I taught for Detroit Public Schools um, mm-hmm. as an accompanist. I worked there as an accompanist um, and started teaching at Denby High when I was 21. And so you can mm-hmm. imagine what that was like, you know. Um, <laughs> 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 I'm, like, I'm like, you got to fight off teachers and students, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, because the students, I mean, they didn't even know I was a teacher and the te- uh, and the teachers didn't know I was a teacher, you know, and so they're like, okay, like, who is this guy? They're teachers up there telling me to get to class and students are like, <laughs> hey, students are like, hey, you want to go smoke some weed or something like right? that? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just like this, this balancing act and I'm just like, you know, um, yeah, I have to, it, 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 it taught me how to juggle and mature in a certain type of way. Um, because you had to earn the respect of the students and you had to earn the respect of the teachers. And the one thing that got me the respect that I needed, besides me carrying myself in a mature way, was the fact that I was very good, well, I believe I was very good um, at what I did musically. And so that's what got people's attention and that's what got people to respect who I was, teachers and students alike. Um, And Teaching at Detroit Public Schools was such a gratifying experience because I was able to get, excuse me, I was able to get um, scholarships for students that had never played the piano before. And I was able to get them full scholarships to college, you know, for music, you know, and that's like, that makes it all worth it. 
-hmm. And um, during that time also, I was accompanist for the Michigan Opera Theater. And that's, um, excuse me, that's one of the um, opera theaters that people, I mean, they like, some people wait their whole lives to get in there. Um, mm -hmm. And I was pretty fortunate because I didn't have to audition. They called me to, you know, do that. Um, mm -hmm. I MD'd for a pretty big church, the Trinity Baptist Church, for um, a good number of years. For the audience, can you tell them what MD is? So MD is uh, basically music director. Okay. It's the musical director uh, for that church, which is a pretty big Baptist church. And I remember my um, our late band director Benjamin Pruitt. Mm -hmm. We were in high. I was in high school, and they had. Um, I think it was Howard's choir came to sing. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he was like, well, you know, I don't, um, he was like, Roland, I don't think you should sit this one out. You need to go in there and listen to this choir. And I was like, I hate gospel music. I'm not trying to play gospel music. <laughs> <laughs> and so he looked at me, he was like, he was like, go get in the audience, go get in the auditorium right now and listen to it. He's like, you never know. You may be uh, directing the choir one day. I'm like, I'm not directing the wow. choir. Wow. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> foreshadowing, huh? <laughs> right, right, exactly. But like since then, I mean, all while I was in Detroit, I mean, since then I had played for the Clark Sisters. I emptied out of church, played for Rand Island, played for um, like a ton of different people, you know, mm -hmm. um, and directed a huge choir. Like my choir before I left was about 100 voices, the mass wow. choir. And so I did that for a number of years. Um, hmm. And so that, that, was, that was very, very amazing. And when I left and decided to go to LA, like it was, you know, that was like, that was my family. And I felt like I was leaving them behind. Uh, yeah, yeah. And what year did you finally go to LA? Because I thought you were gonna go right after well, high school. It was LA, so here's the thing with LA, it was never my desire, what actually, let me not say that. It was my desire to live in LA, but musically, I didn't know where I was gonna fit in because I was so heavy into jazz and Broadway and I knew that New York is, was where that was at. So right. I wanted to live in LA, but have a New York life, a New York career. <laughs> and, I mean, LA, I mean, it does have a jazz scene and the jazz scene is getting better, but it's nothing like New York. Everybody knows that New York is like, you know, right. you're gonna do straight ahead jazz. But I was classically trained um, and I wasn't heavy into keyboards or anything. I didn't like electronics. You know, none of this. And they're more in the closet. <laughs> it's a ton of them around here. Like you just see uh -huh. these few or whatever right there. Um, so I was all acoustics. I didn't like electronic music. I didn't like anything that had to do with wires and cables unless it was a microphone mic in the piano, you know, or right. a vocal mic or something like that. <laughs> um, I decided to come to LA in 2013. But um, prior to that, I was still touring with New York. And even still, backing up to Detroit, um, mm -hmm. I had made it, I, I was still doing what I wanted to do, but it was on a, a smaller scale. Like I still got to travel. I still got to perform. I had gone out the country to perform and done this and everything. I was still traveling and performing, but I made Detroit my hometown. And I decided that I wanted to do what I was doing just on a larger scale. I wanted to be where the big tours popped off. I wanted to, you know, um, play with this artist and play in front of hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of people and all of this. I played like all the jazz clubs in Detroit. I played in jazz clubs in New York. I played, you know, jazz venues here and there. Um, and I still think my most amazing experience uh, was playing with my hero, uh, Mogu Miller, the late Mogu Miller. Mm -hmm. In 2010, he was going to, he was the artist in residence for the Detroit Jazz Festival. Mm -hmm. And he was set to do 
um, a, he went, they asked him to do a duo piano concert and they told him to pick a Detroit artist that he would love to do a duo piano concert with. And he chose Aretha Franklin. And mm. so he actually got in touch with Aretha Franklin and Aretha Franklin didn't know who he was at the time. And so Margaret Miller, he's probably the most influential jazz pianist of you know his generation. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's, he was absolutely amazing and still like affects people today with his music. Mm -hmm. um, and we've been good friends for like a good 12, 13 years or whatever. I was still in high school. When, no, I was, I was in college when we met. And mm -hmm. so um, he, Aretha Franklin had turned down the invite to do a duo piano concert with him. Um, at, this was at the Detroit Institute of Arts. Mm -hmm. And so she said, I'll much rather sing while you play and we can mm -hmm. do it that way. And so the people at the jazz festival, they said, no, they wanted to have a duo piano concert. And so Margaret, they asked Margaret, like, well, who else do you know in Detroit that's capable of like, you know, um, doing that with you? And so he said, what well, is this young cat there named Roland Hamilton? And, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and so I got the call. <laughs> and, and I looked at the phone, I'm like, this serious? <laughs> right, know? right. And so Mogu, I mean, he, we, we would talk all the time, but he didn't tell me that he did that. He wanted to be a surprise. Um, oh, wow. And so it, it was a surprise, all right. And Definitely. And sleep that whole night. And so we went <laughs> to a piano concert. And people still talk about it to this day as being like one of the best performances they've ever seen. Um, wow. It was just me and him, uh, you know, guru and disciple, basically. And I was I was a nervous wreck because it's like here you have one of the greatest musicians in the world, you know, that's mm -hmm. ever lived, one of the greatest pianists and my hero and many other people's hero. Um, and he chose me. He could have chosen anybody in the world, you know, to do that. Mm -hmm. And he chose me. And that's one thing that sticks with me. It stays in my heart. And yeah, I, 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 that's one moment I'll cherish forever. Out of all the things that I've done, all the artists I've played with, that one still reigns supreme for me. Wow, um, that's an awful yeah. story. I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, I remember when I met you in high school, you were playing the classical piece, Fantasy Impromptu by Chopin. Chopin, yeah. And it was funny because I remembered that song from an old um, anime version of Little Women I used to watch when I was mm -hmm. like three years old. And I just, I, knew, I never knew the title. I just knew the song. And I walked by and I heard you playing. I'm like, oh my God, that's my favorite <laughs> song. Play it again, play it again. And I just thought from that moment, I was just like, crawled <laughs> with your skill because you were you were a very good player to be your age, and you just got yeah. better. So I'm not I'm not surprised of your success. I'm very proud of you. I appreciate it. I mean, that song actually won me a lot of money in high school. Yeah, um, I did. I my first competition, you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> it was a shot competition. Right? Yep, it got me a full scholarship yeah. up to Interlocking Arts Academy. Um, that that one song, and I played it. It was it was funny because I had been practicing that song and I didn't know um, how to approach it. And so I had been practicing the song for like seven years and just didn't know how to get off the first page. But it was when I got my next teacher, Arthur LeBru, God rest his soul. Mm -hmm. um, I remember. He, he was amazing, amazing pianist. And I went down to him and he showed me exactly what to do. I learned the song in three days, you know, yeah. because he taught me his technique. And he comes from the line of uh, teachers. Um, he's, his teacher studied, studied with Arthur Schnabel, who studied with Leszczynski, who was a contemporary of Franz Liszt. And you know, they come oh, from wow. the lineage of Beethoven. Yeah, they come from the lineage of Beethoven. So that's he like, you know, yeah. I, I was getting that lineage right there. So he taught me all about technique, how to have fast fingers and everything. And mm -hmm. like his technique is what I use today. 
like every piece, every time I solo, every time I improvise, I'm using the techniques that I learned from him and everything. And I had a lot of people asking me like, well, how do you play fast? How do you play clean? How do you do X, Y, and Z? Um, and I, I owe that to him, you know, even mm -hmm. perfecting my sight reading skills. You know, I still use that today. Um, yeah. It's my first gig out in LA was reading music, you know, just sight reading mm -hmm. and everything. <laughs> like, wow. and I had to do score writing and everything, you know, that was, mm -hmm. if I didn't have that training, you know, him, I probably wouldn't be able to do that. And I wouldn't work as much as I do now. Well, nobody's working now, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Prior to the quarantine. Well, I am. I'm working from home. Well, you know, I am too. I, I'm working now too. I, I still am working, but not, uh -huh. not in that capacity, but I still am working doing music. Gratefully. Right. Gratefully. Right. I know. Yeah. I'm a lot of my friends, they are not, you know. Yeah. Right? It's, it's rough. Um, so I want you to talk more about your experience since you went to LA and you decided, okay, I will play electronic keyboard. Mm -hmm. and where that's taking you around the world you mentioned that very slightly we want to know more who have you toured with and what were your favorite experiences okay so um moving out to la all right Ooh. it makes me look bad <laughs> like, like I, i'm i'm super grateful you know first of all it talk about living out your wildest dreams you know mm -hmm. and they're still evolving they're still unfolding and everything mm -hmm. um when i moved to la i packed up everything um i sold all of my keyboards mm -hmm. i needed money to move to la i wanted to have like a cushion and everything just in case but you know anybody that's moved to la there's no such thing as having enough money because regardless of how much you make it's you're never going to have enough money you know mm -hmm. so i sold all of my keyboards um and I moved out here with just a laptop and a small 49 key MIDI controller, which is like a keyboard like that big. Mm -hmm. And when I first got here, uh, I moved out because I knew that I had a job lined up doing music therapy. And that would kind of be my cushion, you know, while I got things rolling on the uh, touring end. And so that job fell through, you know, and so I was like, oh, well, I guess, I'm, you know, good thing I saved up a little money and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and my mother, she, assisted me quite greatly mm -hmm. and you know for that and many other things i'm like indebted to her for like mm -hmm. you know like it's nothing like your mother nothing like your parents no. nothing like your family mm -hmm. so needless to say it was tough for about the first um i don't know seven eight months it was it was tough you know it, mm -hmm. it was tough but um a good friend of both of ours um charles wilson charlie wilson mm -hmm. um he actually his story actually inspired me to do more i would call him back when i was in detroit he inspired me to do more just do more just expand and like like you know if it's what you're gonna do you know you you're not gonna tour like you want to tour you're sitting your ass in detroit <laughs> 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 so, i was like you, you make a really good point you know <laughs> and so you know charlie like chuck he man in, in high school i, I gotta go back and i'll bring it up but in, in back in uh, high school, we were kind of like friends, but rivals. internal rivals. Uh -huh, <laughs> I remember. We he was on with season one, teachers. so we've heard some of this. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. On your yeah. side. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, my side. No. All right, so what really happened? All right. <laughs> <laughs> what really happened? No. And so I looked at him, you know, and he was touring with Justin Timberlake. He did Rihanna, John Mayer, and everything. You know, nobody big. No, nobody. I know. Yeah. Uh, nobody. Nah. 
And so that was inspiring to me. I'm like, okay, you know. Um, and I remember one thing he said, and one thing we agreed on, like our last conversation with each other, he, had, uh, he picked me up from school. And I remember I gave him some Oscar Peterson transcriptions that I wrote out, which I never got back, by the way, Chuck. Um, <laughs> and in the van, we were talking, he came over my house and in his van or whatever, we were talking about, okay, so what's going to happen? If I make it first, I'm going to come back and I'm going to hook you up. And I was like, mm -hmm. dude, like if I make it first, come back and I'm going to look out for you, you know, and that was it. You know, we left on those terms and everything. So I think we both made it equally in our own regard, you know, mm -hmm. um, but in regards to doing the more pop tour and everything, he was like, he was on it, you know, yeah. um, he just became like one of my heroes, you know, and I looked up to him and like really appreciate him for the inspiration. Yeah. And so when I got out here, um, backtracking, my first gig out here came from him. You know, we hung out and everything. And my first gig was helping him score right and everything for Booker T and the MGs. And so oh, what we wow. had to do, yeah, it was, it was really cool. And so um, he was like, um, well, this is going to be an all-nighter, so, you know, just, like, stay up or whatever. So we had to listen to all the Booker T stuff, and for his performance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we had to write <laughs> out. We had to write out, like, all of his stuff. But we did Sibelius and everything, so write out all the horn parts, arrange it for this band and all of that stuff, write out his organ parts and everything. Mm -hmm. And so Chuck, Chuck was an MD at the time. Okay. And so um, we, did, we did that. We stayed up all night. You know, it was... God knows how long, just literally all night, you know, <laughs> 24 hours straight. But we got it done. We had to sit up there and do what it takes, okay? You know, and of yeah. course, I'm not going to let him down, you know. Um, right. But he called me because he knew that I could read music. He knew that I could write. He knew I could understand. I could hear it and literally write it down, you know, whatever I heard. Mm -hmm. um, so we got it done. Performance was amazing and everything. I remember taking this Booker T's charts up to him. He was like, man, I never seen my shit written out like this. Like, this good. <laughs> So like, <laughs> so like hearing that from Booker T himself, you know, right. I was like, that was incredible. And so shortly after that was, that was like in May or something of 2013. Mm -hmm. And my next, um, my next engagement, um, well, pseudo engagement was, um, I got called for a church to play for a church. They needed somebody who could read music and play. I'm like, hey, okay, cool. Money's starting to come in. And I was kind of done with the church. I didn't want to play for a church anymore. Uh, so I was okay. like, I t tore up all of my um, music at home and everything. I was like, I'm done with this. Like, I, I just don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got a call from another church. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, I'm like okay. Well, you know what? I was like, look, They're I can paying. use the money right now. They're paying. Right. You know what I'm saying? They're paying <laughs> right now. And um, I'm still with that church today. And oh. I'm still with that church. I am okay. at that church. Um, look at that. But yeah, I'll leave I'll leave the name off. But um, oh, yeah, I'll, that's I'll, fine. I'll, I'll leave the name off for the church. But mm -hmm. I do MD for that church okay. right now. And um, so right after that, I um, let's see. Oh, okay. So I'm sitting, you know, at a friend of mine's house or whatever. So I get a call from another guy that's in Detroit, and he says, "Well, you were recommended by Marcus Belgrave, and everybody in Detroit <laughs> knows who Marcus Belgrave is." Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like, man. I haven't talked to Mark in so long, you know, but he recommended me to play um, for Cheryl Lynn, who wrote Got to oh, Be yeah. Real, If This right. World Were Mine, and all of that. So the other keyboard players, they were messing up. They were at SIR Rehearsal Studios in Hollywood, and mm -hmm. they were messing up. And so I go in, and I didn't um, I didn't know what Cheryl Lynn looked like. You know, mm -hmm. I had seen, like, an album cover since I was a kid, and I didn't know, like, right. exactly. I knew her songs, you know. And so um, 
before he told me it was for Sherlyn, he told me to meet him down at SIR Studios. So I go in and there's this lady um, sitting there. She's like, hey, baby. She's like, uh, I was like, she's like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm doing good. How are you? Like, all right, give me a hug. So I give her a hug. I'm like, who am I hugging? Like, who is this lady? Who is this lady? And so um, she says, she's like, let me, now let me ask you something, baby. Um, do you know Got to Be Real? And I'm like, well, I know it. It's not something I listen to on my, on my playlist. You know what I'm saying? I, mm -hmm. I know it. So let me listen to it. You know, I picked it up on YouTube and just listened to it, listened to the chords again. I was like, okay, let's go for it. So I started playing it. And she started singing, and I'm like, she sounds just like the. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> I'm like, wait, this is Charlene. Oh my god. <laughs> and so I'm like, so I'm like going into it, then I just like kind of start messing because <laughs> like, I'm in shock. I'm like, this is actually Charlene. Right. <laughs> and she was like, well, you know, she's like, you sound amazing, and I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna keep your number, and you know. It's crazy how you just listen to that song one time and then you can pick it up and play it. If I could take you with, to Japan with me, I would cancel these other keyboards' passport and I would take you. But we leaving on Tuesday, so she's like, "Mark my words, I'm gonna be calling you again." And the next time I saw her was at with uh, Ray Parker Jr. Uh, he wrote mm -hmm. Ghostbusters and all of that right. from Detroit. Um, mm -hmm. And so he, <clears throat> I was at his uh, Hollywood star the Walk of Fame when he got his star on uh, Hollywood, and mm -hmm. Sheryl Lynn was there. And I met all the cast from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Like everybody was there, just who's wow. here. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm actually up there with these people. Bill Withers was there; he just passed away. Everybody right, was there. Right, right. Um, and so I saw Cheryl. She was like, "Hey," she's like, "I'm gonna be calling you. I forgot." And that was in 2014 in January. And so mm -hmm. then, fast forward to July, um, she called and she's like, "Hey, baby, you want to go to Japan?" I'm like, "Yeah, I want to yeah. go to Japan." <laughs> <laughs> so she sent me the music. And at that time, I still didn't have any keyboards. I just had that one MIDI controller um, mm -hmm. keyboard and that laptop. And I came in there, I learned all our stuff and mm -hmm. came in there, was, you know, switching patches and everything, just doing X, Y, and Z. I had the MIDI controller sounding like a whole orchestra. And she was like, wow. you're doing all of that from that? And she was like, well, I can't wait to see what you do with <laughs> like three or four keyboards around you. And so right. I've been playing for Cheryl Lynn ever since. I've gone to Japan about. 10 times you know with different oh, artists wow. so yeah that was like my first gig gig um and i played with like local artists and did a couple clubs early on in you know la just to keep me kind of like going and moving everything so mm -hmm. um it, it was good it was a great experience and since then um i've toured with demi lovato i mm -hmm. um, did her world tour her neon lights tour which was amazing met a ton of great uh musicians from there mm -hmm. um I think I texted you. You were in Australia. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, send me a postcard away. <laughs> right, never got that postcard. <clears throat> I remember I sent you one from um when I was in Switzerland though. That was that, was, that was in high school. It was no, that's in college. You sent me you one from L.A. LA. Yeah, you sent me one from yep. L.A. too. So I mean, I you got more than you, you're overdue. Else, I said nobody else, nothing. So, you well, know. that makes me feel special. <laughs> I don't think my mother got a postcard. Like, oh, no. Sorry, mom. <laughs> I love your mama. <laughs> All but, right. Um, so, you, you've been around the world. Okay. Okay. We like it. Yeah, you, who yeah, else? So, Were you going to name somebody else? I kind of cut you off there. No, no, no. That's cool. I mean, Demi Lovato was really cool. Um, um, it meant like people that I still keep in touch to in touch with to this very day. Um, some good friends of mine. Um, 
and that, that was amazing. I remember one performance that we had, we went to, uh, I think we were in, we were in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And so the, at that time, that was like the most people I had played in front of in my entire life. So it was a crowd mm -hmm. of like 100,000 people. And wow. we were up there just like, just grooving, you know, and all the crowds were like super huge over in Malaysia, Cambodia, um, you name it. Like we were doing Australia, like this incredible crowds. Mm -hmm. And it was good, you know, just being able to play um, those songs, those songs with a, such a major artist like that and everything. Um, mm -hmm. And it was funny, like even, I, she would call people on stage, you know, we were in Singapore and she would call, the, they couldn't speak speak English over there, some mm -hmm. of the um, people in the audience. So she called a little girl up to sing a song and the only words they knew were let it go. But when they sang it, like they sang it like they were part of the, uh, they didn't know a lick of English, but they knew all the words to let it go. They wow. knew every single word. And so, the power um, of music, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's crazy. Um, but since then, I've, I've done like a lot of, um, I play with a lot of people. Um, Demi Lovato, um, I'm still playing with Jody Watley, who was like my childhood crush. Like, I, <laughs> I never thought I'd be playing with Jody Watley. Um, mm -hmm. I've toured uh, multiple times with 98 Degrees, uh, Nick Lachey, mm -hmm. who's a friend of mine. Um, I still keep in touch with him, perform, you know, solo stuff with him. Mm -hmm. um, I just played with um, AJ McLean from Backstreet Boys. We released his, helped release his um, solo, or the, the debut for his uh, country solo album, which was great. Okay. And um, I got to play with uh, Jimmy Allen um, and a few other people, um, mm -hmm. big country stars on that. Um, you played when you were on a was it a war it was an award show a couple of years ago or a few what was it last was year on Facebook yeah last year I was on um, the MTV Awards I played with Lil Nas X so, yeah um, I'm currently playing with him um, we had things lined up we were getting ready to do Coachella and everything but the quarantine right yeah uh, that yeah. canceled everything so yeah, <laughs> I've done a few uh, performances with uh, Lil Nas X we've done we did the Oprah show I mean the Ellen show with, okay. Um, Ellen, Oprah was on there and everything. That was amazing. Yeah, Lil Nas wow. X, he's an incredible person. Like, and I'm so honored to be playing with him because um, he, he's made history, like absolutely incredible, yeah. you know, just overnight. Um, but the funny thing was with Lil Nas X, I, um, the first time I heard of him was in April of last year. And, you know, his song Old Town Road was like becoming like hot shit. It was like the hottest thing, you know, like going on mm -hmm. um, at that time. And so Nick Lachey, he hadn't heard of it. And I had heard of it like just, you know, like in passing. Right. And so Nick Lachey, he does this thing called Music Mondays. And so we were in the studio actually recording. I was with Nick and we were recording for the Miss USA um, pageant show. Pageant. Doing, mm -hmm. You know, like all the music and everything. So we were up doing that. And so once we finished, um, he was like, well, Roland, since you're here, let's just do my Music Monday thing. His little, uh, his, his blog that he does on his IG. Mm -hmm. And so he couldn't think of what song to do and i think his assistant said you know like let's do um do old time road it's like the hottest song and so i'm like oh yeah oh i just heard that you know and so he looked it up and everything and so he learned the words right there i polished up the chords and all of that and so we just went for it you know mm -hmm. and and so we we're like okay that's Lil Nas X, billy ray and all that and everything and so right we did that put it on instagram and then i got a call um right when i was actually going to japan um, last year in August to mm -hmm. play for Lil Nas X at the MTV Awards. I'm like, 
okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do that. I'll do that. Right. So unfortunately, I had to cut my trip short with uh, Sherilyn while I was over there um, mm -hmm. to to go ahead and do Lil Nas X. But I made sure I found a really good replacement to uh, handle oh, okay. that. Just to keep, you know, keep the integrity and everything. But uh, sometimes those things happen. And um, But yeah, no, it, it's been a great relationship with Cheryl. Uh, with Lil Nas X, uh, Jody Wiley. Um, like I said, I did uh, AJ McLean. Um, I was on the Tonight Show with, um, that was with Bozzy, uh, played for Bozzy, uh, great artist. <clears throat> Done the Jimmy Kimmel show with mm -hmm. In Real Life, Boy Band In Real Life. I played for a lot of boy bands. It's all good, you know. Uh -huh. um, and in between, I, I, I can't remember everybody but it's been a lot it's been a lot of um That's awesome. it's been a lot of people and in between that i mean you see the keyboards behind me one thing i can say is that all of these keyboards that you see behind me i didn't pay for a single one they were all given mm -hmm. to me by different companies you know for the things that i do so i've gotten like endorsements from different people rolling um mm -hmm. of course. you know all that. so yeah i mean you gotta have it you know That's <laughs> <a> no brainer <laughs> yes Lord, <laughs> all that stuff you know but yeah, um, I had to get the namesake. Of course, <laughs> roll, roll of course. Keyboard, yeah. That's a thing you didn't want to touch one. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's like the now. Irony. Yeah, I mean, now when I'm performing, like I want, I'll try to keep it streamlined as possible, as streamlined as possible. Um, but, you know, they're, for the most part, like I, I don't feel truly at home unless I'm like surrounded by keyboards. Like I want to be controlling mm -hmm. like a spaceship. I want to be moving around and like doing this and pushing all the pedals and everything and hitting mm -hmm. the buttons to change the sound like that's what makes me it it's part of it you know because mm -hmm. when i was growing up i thought that you know oh but they're just playing keyboards and everything you know it doesn't take that much they're doing all the work for them you know it's blah 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 it's easy well <laughs> it's it's easy once you you're able to do it you know but it didn't come overnight i had to sit down and study i had to learn i had to watch like so many videos i had to you know just watch different people just hang around the experts and do that um and one person I always looked up to was um, uh, well, my cousin, uh, Greg Fillingangs, who's from Detroit, yeah. who went to Cast Tech, and he was Michael mm -hmm. Jackson's MD. Um, and I looked up to him for God knows how long. He was playing with Elton John, uh, Phil Collins, like you, you name it, like everybody, you know. Um, right. he's, he's done it. Greg has done it. And I still look up to him. And that's where I got my real desire to learn how to manipulate the keyboards and all of that stuff and do whatever because as good as he is on the keyboards he's just as good and even better on the piano you know you sit him down he's, mm -hmm. he's amazing and i think he's probably like the most widely respected keyboardist and probably one of the most widely respected musicians to ever walk the face of the earth you know especially in the pop wow. industry on the yeah. um he's i mean he's he was like, on he was like involved with thriller and all that too wasn't he thriller yep um, we are the world, like all that stuff, like yeah. um, songs in the key of life, all of that. Everything. Oh my you know, God, I didn't there. know that one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, look at look on the credits. Yeah, he's there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you have definitely been fortunate enough to be surrounded by some of the greatest to ever do it. So I mean, it's no surprise that you reached where you have, and you have so much more to go. I'm sure you're going to achieve much, much more. And I'm great. I'm looking forward to it. That's for sure. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to it. Just want to continue. So what am I doing now? Um, touch more no, lives you know yeah i just want to continue yeah. to touch more lives and everything i mean that's my goal whenever i sit down at the piano whether it be playing for a soloist at church whether i'm playing in front of a hundred thousand people um or wherever like i want to be able to take people's minds off of their problems
times. That's what I do. That's what I think about. You know, I first I'll give God thanks for my gift. You know, it, I'm, I may be giving him thanks while I'm programming. You know, the buttons on stage. <laughs> but I always give. I mean, my mother taught me that. You know, always give thanks for the gift whenever you sit down. Like give thanks mm-hmm. for the gift. So I do that. You know. Um, and I do that uh, relentlessly. That's nonstop. And then my next goal is to always, you know, just try to take people's minds off of their problems, whatever they may be going through. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's just for that moment, I feel like I've accomplished something. And then ultimately just inspire the world. I get a lot of calls from people, you know, wanting to get insight um, and just uh, advice about moving to LA mm-hmm. um, or just pursuing their career. And I, you know, I get texts and Facebook inboxes and everything. Um, yeah, just telling me how inspiring I am. I mean, so that's that's the gratification right there. If I if I don't do anything else, I feel like I've accomplished so much. Just being able to do that and help people want to, helping people want to be better at their craft, helping them want to do better, be more, get outside their box, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, because I'm I'm certainly grateful for the people that have inspired me to do it. You know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously, because you you've done so much with what you've been given. So that goes without saying. And I will say that this is just my moment to kind of puff my friend up. Is that even (laughs) outside of the music, that's your personality. You're always bringing levity to a situation and bringing smiles to people's faces. That's kind of been that's kind of our thing too. Like I know when I talk to you, I'm going to laugh and I'm going to laugh a lot. And that's yeah. a great thing to know that to expect from somebody and it mm-hmm. won't be a drag or something depressing. Yeah. It's like yeah. always going to be a good time. So I appreciate yeah. you for that. I try to find the joy in every situation, you know. Definitely. There's enough stuff to be depressed about, you know. Oh, I mean, even, right. even now we're going through this quarantine or whatever. It's like, I, I look like I'm, it's like, man, you know, I'm still working. Um, I still have money coming in. Mm-hmm. I got all this beauty around me. I have a place over my head. I can still get up and go and drive um, with a mask on, you know, but I can still get up and <laughs> go and drive and just uh-huh. look at the ocean. Like I look at people, I was just driving today out here in California and it's, I saw like people who are homeless and everything. Um, just, you know, one man had his pants like halfway down and just crossing the street in the rain. It's like, man, you talk about being able to count your blessings, being able to come home to this, you know, um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm eternally grateful. Just, just mm-hmm. and I want to be able to radiate that same joy that I have inside um not every day is sunny but I, I try to dig deep and find it you know if, I, if nothing else right. you know I try oh. to dig deep and find it and just share it you know yeah well thank you for that we're going to switch gears now to the more Detroit-centric part of the broadcast so I'm going to ask you really quickly sum up in your experience, what makes the D so special? And this is based on your, you know, your upbringing, your roots, the support, people that influence you. I know you kind of touched on some of that, but what what makes Detroit so special to you? Um, what makes Detroit so special to me is the drive that they have. Mm-hmm. Detroit has such a rich musical heritage. And a lot of people think that the musical heritage died with Motown. But mm. a lot of those musicians stayed, you know, you had a lot of artists that left and moved to L.A. and blah, blah, blah. But Detroit, the drive, the same musicians that made Motown great still stayed there. And they 
they crafted and they helped generations after them, you know, to, mm -hmm. you know, want to be more and uh, just do more with their craft and be amazing musicians. Detroit, since it is a cultural arts center, um, and I really think it's like the cultural arts center of the Midwest and like one of the major ones in the country. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say like as big as New York currently and everything, but um, it, it, it's up there. Mm -hmm. We were provided a platform through uh, Detroit Symphony Orchestra Hall. Detroit Public, Detroit Public Schools would often partner with uh, Detroit Symphony Orchestra Hall, and they would bring in artists. Uh, Cast Tech would bring in artists to like mm -hmm. cultivate, you know, um, and you know, let everybody, um, let the let the young kids and everything see what they could possibly do, and just get a taste of like what it's like to be out there on the road, what it's like to tour, what it's like to be a professional musician. They would come in, and talk to us. We would get to play with them, interact with them. And if that's not inspiration, like, I, I don't know what is, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's absolutely incredible. I mean, I met Wynton Marcellus there. Um, I wow. met uh, McCoy Tyner, Ahmad Jamal, mm -hmm. you know, all mm -hmm. of these great, incredible jazz artists. Um, the Count Basie Orchestra, uh, classical musicians, just countless, countless people. Uh, met Oscar Peterson in Detroit, who was my number one hero. Yeah, <laughs> my yes, I remember. <laughs> Oscar Peterson, you know, like, that's, you know, I mean, that's that's the type of inspiration I'm talking about and just being able to be on stage with these folks you know mm -hmm. who have like lived through just so many different eras of music mm -hmm. um you know me and some of the funk brothers and all of that like it, it's it's crazy uh so Detroit is just a rich heritage you know the inspiration is there and Detroit always has this passing on the torch vibe um my teacher Harold McKinney um, who was probably one of the greatest jazz pianists ever. You know, he taught me so much. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, Teddy Harris, uh, Martha Reeves, you know, like all of these people I got to meet and just hang on and just study with. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's that pass the torch mentality, you know, in Detroit. And yeah. that's what keeps it alive. And I, I was grateful to benefit from that. Definitely, definitely. So now's the fun part. We're going to play a little game. It's called the Fab Five. It's a throwback to the old U of M basketball team. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you of That's my extended knowledge I saw that. <laughs> your your little pony basketball. <laughs> Don't ask me any questions. <laughs> okay. Right, let me get to it. All right. So there are going to be five different questions about your favorite Detroit thing. And we're going to start with number one, which is, what is your favorite Detroit place or landmark? My favorite Detroit place uh, landmark is the Renaissance Center. Um, mm -hmm. uh, okay, so going back to my childhood, mm -hmm. I used to, I was such a nerd. I'm still a nerd, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I used to read the Almanac and I would like learn the, the heights of all the buildings and everything. Yeah. Um, so I made it a point to like, and I still do it to this day, where whenever I'm in a city that I travel to, I have to go to the tallest building in that city. You know, oh. and so Detroit, the tallest building in Michigan for like the Midwest is the Renaissance Center, uh, specifically the GM. What's now the, well, no, that's the Marriott uh, building, but GM right. headquarters mm -hmm. uh, used to be the Western Hotel. So I would go up there to the top and I think it's like 721 feet tall, you know, maybe give it, okay. give it, take a little feet. So, okay. um, yeah, so that's like my favorite landmark. It, whenever I think of Detroit, it's the Renaissance Center. I love and, it. And uh, and don't forget, the summit used to be in there, and that was where yep. we ate. Roland and I went to prom together <laughs> at homecoming. We went there for prom, though, I think. 
And but no, we were obsessed with that restaurant because it was one of those revolving restaurants. Yep, it would turn around. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So we went there a couple of times in high school and we thought that was so mm-hmm. awesome because that was so grown mm-hmm. up. But yeah, so okay, cool. All right, number two, your favorite restaurant or dish, past or current. Um my favorite restaurant. In Detroit would have to be Pizza Populous. Okay. Because okay. I have a inner fat boy, you know. His <laughs> <laughs> demon is kind of like right in the center there. <laughs> and my, <laughs> my inner fat boy is in there, but um, yeah, Detroit deep dish pizza. Like I love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chicago Giordano's. I mean, that's you know, I'm sorry, it's whatever. But <laughs> Detroit, that's where it's at. So. Okay. <laughs> my, Any particular one? Um, I like. Well, people call me a weirdo, but. Okay, so my first introduction to Pizza Populous was when I was about nine years old. My um, grandmother got it, and we ate it, and it had, it was cheese, the deep dish pizza had cheese, and it had pepperoni, and it had onions and pineapples. So, mm. from that day on, whenever I have deep dish pizza, it has to have pineapples in it. Like, it, it feels incomplete if it doesn't have, like, at least the pepperoni and pineapples. Pineapples okay. are a must for me, like to this day. Yeah. On pizza. I love pineapples on pizza. People yes. really dog that out, but that is so good. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Thank like, you. I love it. Yep. <laughs> okay. Awesome. That's awesome. Okay. People usually have trouble with that one because of the past or current. Some people have favorites that don't exist anymore, but. Oh, okay. I mean, pretty firm on yours. As, as far as like, um, there's there's one more restaurant. I mean, it's Detroit area, but it's it's called Priya and that's uh, an indian restaurant so indian like above everything is like my favorite overall food you know and oh then, okay um, yeah the pre is an indian restaurant cool okay everybody check that out if you're in the detroit area uh, all right we're gonna go to number three number three is your favorite downtown event only downtown well that has to be the jazz festival um, of course <laughs> <yeah, Detroit. laughs> i mean maybe second to that would be the auto show you know but, right um, yeah, the jazz festival. Yep. Okay. And you played at that several times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My first time playing at the jazz festival, I was 12 or 13 or something like that. And I played, I, w- I went to the, um, I would take supplemental private lessons at the Center for Creative Studies, which I think is now the College for Creative Design or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think they still have the music, the artistic portion. Um, um active but yeah i played there my um i was taking lessons from johnny allen who just recently passed away i think a couple years ago um and he helped score write um shaft with isaac hillies oh okay so, wow yeah, so he was my teacher and everything and so he taught me how to play um after hours in the st louis blues so they featured me on the piano i was like 12 or 13 playing in front <laughs> of all of these people i was like oh yes. <laughs> and so i played there like Every, I played there like every single year, like up into my 20s, you know, okay, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. All right. So number four, your favorite Detroit sports team. Uh, <laughs> he laughs. Hold on. I got to find some chopstick. Hold on. <laughs> All right. There we go. <laughs> My lips are drying out. Um, okay. was, this is weather out here. It's so raining and everything out here. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite Detroit sports team. It's hard because I'm not really into sports, you know. Right. Um, so 
All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go off the one that I've seen the most? I mean, uh, wait, who else? Seen the, well, probably the Tigers. I've seen the Tigers the most. Uh, okay. And I don't know. I'm not. In, I'm not into sports. I never have been. Once my brother got hit in the eye with that baseball, that did it for me. <laughs> that was yeah. it. <laughs> I'm like the hell with this. <laughs> but it's funny, like when I um when I'm at the gym or whatever, uh mm-hmm. people like always ask me, they think I play basketball because I mean I'm not short, I'm like five eleven or whatever. Um they see me like, oh man, come on, come on, bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm like <laughs> uh, what's the emoji? <laughs> Like, are you speaking Chinese? Like, what are you saying to me right now? Like, I play the music in the background while you play. Wait, that's not even basketball. Like, I don't know. Is, is that basketball? I don't know. They, yes, yes. Okay. They, well, that, that's very good. Yeah, I think you're doing right. baseball and basketball, so you'll be okay. Cool. All right. <laughs> okay, we'll go to the next one. Let's <laughs> carry on next. This is the most unique answer we've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise there. Okay. Right, hey, look. All right. <laughs> so number five. What is your favorite Detroit memory? And what I mean by that is a memory that you have that is so Detroit that you can't classify it as anything else. Uh, so I have. I don't. I don't know. That that's tough. Mm-hmm. Because I have so many, so many memories in Detroit and of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Oh no! I stumped wow. them, guys. I stumped yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> I almost want to say with the story you told earlier, when you said that was one of your favorite um, experiences playing on stage with the the dueling pianos. Well, that's that's the first thing I thought of um, because mm-hmm. it is. I mean, it's it was at the Detroit Institute of Arts, you know, and it's the right. Detroit. That's I would. I mean, that's what I was gonna say. I didn't want to repeat it, but I mean, honestly, that's it. You know, performing with Margaret Miller was yeah. the epitome. Um, and taking Aretha Franklin spot. That's yeah, taking Aretha Franklin spot. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's it. I mean, come on, you know. Like who who can say that they sub sub for Aretha Franklin? Right. <laughs> In a major Not performance, many. you know. Not like, many. You know, I mean, so like that, I, I would have to say that's it. That's that's definitely it. Okay. Um, I've never had to help someone with their answer either, but they're the first hey, one for everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> such a good friend. Such a good friend. I know. I know. I try. <laughs> Now I'm sad because we're done. This is it. I enjoyed it. Yes, you made it. You finally made it. We finally got it done. I'm so glad and I can't wait to get the feedback from the audience because I think this was a very special broadcast, not only because you're my buddy, but because you have a great story to tell. So thank you so much again. I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed having a really same year. I was just saying the same thing. So <laughs> everybody, we'll we'll catch you next week on the next installment of the Detroit Hustle Podcast. Yes. Bye.